Hello, and welcome to Van Life Lab Podcast, where we're all about exploring the trials and joys of van life. I'm Colby from Engineers to Van Life, today joined by Kayla from Collies Without Borders. Today, we are here to talk about solo van life, and this is going to be solo female van life, as well as just plain old solo van life and what comes along with that. Before we get started, we want to ask you to give this brand new Van Life Podcast a thumbs up, five-star rating, an honest review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Talk to us about what you like and what you didn't, what you want to hear more of, and become a part of this podcast from the very beginning. Now, the first thing we do every episode is tell you where we're coming to you from. So, Eric and I are coming to you guys from Colorado again. (laughs) If you've been listening, you know that we have not left the state in about two months now, and we're loving it. We're skiing, ice skating, and all of the fun things. Um, for winter van life. Um, Now I'll pass it to you, Kayla, our solo van lifer, (laughs) to tell us where you're coming to us from. Yeah, so I'm currently recording in the town of Flores, Guatemala, um, which is a little island in a lake um, kind of up in the northwestern bit of Guatemala, right in in like a nook between Belize and Mexico. You're on an island in a lake? Yes, I am on an island in a lake in Guatemala. Well, that is awesome. <laughs> that is truly, truly yeah, awesome. It's like it's a it's it's a very tiny lake, and you can drive like a half mile bridge from like the mainland oh. onto the lake onto the island. So, okay, um, cool. Yeah, it's it's very, still very, very cool, cool, but it's very accessible. <laughs> I just pictured like this massive like blue lake and just a tiny little island that you're like tenting on or something. No, sadly, it's pretty much an island that is sinking into a lake. Um, so like literally like the outermost street of the lake is underwater currently. The entire lake or the entire island pretty much is covered in hostels, hotels and restaurants. Um, there is like not an inch of green greenery left on this island at all. Whoa, that's crazy. OK, not what I picture when I think <laughs> think of an island, but very cool that you're there. Um, I think so transitioning into our podcast of the week, I think the first thing people think of when they think of solo van life is safety. So I think that's a pretty natural place to start. Do you want to start there? Like maybe we can start with your build and some considerations you had for your build, um, your van build and safety precautions. Yeah, definitely. So as people will remember from my introductory podcast, I didn't build Saga completely on my own. Um, I bought her mostly built out on her own, and then I've just been making my own modifications. So as far as the modifications I've made, or maybe some modifications that I haven't made as a solo van lifer, the first one comes up when I think about the window that I added. Um, so one of the the biggest things that I've really noticed since adding a window to the van is it does change where I feel comfortable parking and kind of some of my activities throughout the van um, because the window that I have is on my rear doors. So it opens right into the bed. Um, And it's definitely, I've noticed feeling a lot more vulnerable since adding the window, even though I love my window. Um, (laughs) And I think 
if uh, if they weren't so much more expensive, I may have instead added kind of those long skinny windows up on mm. the sides that just don't allow quite as much visual entrance to the van. I'm, I'm very happy with the, van, the window that I have. So that's kind of the first physical consideration I have. And it's not that I necessarily wouldn't also feel vulnerable sleeping with someone and having people potentially being able to look into the van, but it maybe is a little bit more acute as a solo person. Um, and then, you know, I think there have been a couple of things I haven't done because I'm solo. Some of them literally just being financial. You know, I can imagine there being mm. a lot of things that I would have done to Saga if I had two incomes that were able to be poured into her. And instead, you know, I, if anyone's going to pay for anything on Saga, it's going to be me. So there have definitely been some things I've chosen not to do because of that. But also we, as, as a solo person in a van, I don't need as much space and I don't need as much power. Um, so I may have been more aggressive about upgrading my solar or upgrading my batteries or some of those sorts of things earlier, If partic particularly if we had two people working full-time out of the van. And depending on the size of my co-pilot, I also may have thought much harder about adding flares to the van had I had a, a partner or a co-pilot. But um, none of those things have ended up being considerations for me. So, so far, I think most of my van builds as a solo person have been more about the things I don't feel the need to mm -hmm. add than the things that I have felt the need to add. I sometimes I think about that, like when I'm shoving my like fourth sweatshirt into my tiny cabinet that I get because there's two of us and like, it'd be nice to have a little bit extra storage. So I'm sure you, you love having that, but I know you have a lot of visitors, so you do have to make room sometimes, but you kind of got me thinking when you were talking about the window thing, are there any other besides your van build, like precautions you take as a solo Van lifer, especially maybe on the Pan Am Highway, anything like that? Yeah. So I think the biggest and most obvious thing that I've got is I do have the dogs with me and they function as a deterrent and an alarm system. Um, I also have magnets on the side of the van that not just alert people to the fact that there are dogs are inside, which mm. um, probably, again, functions well as a deterrent, but also is, was originally designed to keep my dog safe and comfortable um, and keep people from mm -hmm. bothering them. Um, but all of those things kind of come together to be a pretty solid deterrent. And I think, again, that's probably the biggest and most important thing that I have going for me as a solo van lifer. And we'll get into this as well later. But um, they also really help co combat loneliness for me. Mm -hmm. Aside from that, as, uh, as far as like other safety things go, um, you know, when I was on the Pan Am, I definitely or when especially when I was up in the Arctic and I knew that I was going to have days and days at a time where I wouldn't have cell service at all. I have a spot beacon, um, so I can use that to send messages to my parents, GPS location, all those sorts of things. And that's been really helpful. I do keep that on hand. And then here in Central America as well, I have an agreement with my parents that pretty much anytime I'm moving locations, I text them um, with my location each night and let them know when I've parked safely for the night. And I try to let them know if that's not going to happen on a given day, mm -hmm. you know, I anticipate not having cell service. I'm not perfect about it, but I do really try hard to do that for my folks in particular. And then as far as other communication things go, and I know this isn't really about the build, but um, there, there, there are things that I do, particularly as a solo person on the Pan Am. I also have a um, <laughs> this kind of insano um, itinerary spreadsheet that is not always perfectly up to date and not always correct, but I do use not just to plan my route and figure out 
you know, I drop my I overlander links in there and my GPS coordinates and, you know, driving time and other important things to know about a given location. But I also have my parents and a couple other key folks shared on that Google sheet. So hypothetically, even if I went dark, you could pull up this sheet and figure out the GPS locations where I should have been on a given night. Yeah, that's like float plan to another level. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it really, it literally started out because I was using that to plan my route for myself and, you know, drop in my iOverlander links and GPS coordinates. And then I was talking to my, my parents about this trip and mentioned that and my I can't remember whether it was my mom or not my dad but one of them was like could you send that to me and I was like oh yeah that's a great idea <laughs> so now like you know um they've got access to it a couple key friends have access to it anyone who visits me has access to it so which again is partially because that's uh, a lot of my visitors uh, my rule is if you're going to visit me you have to help with route planning um so a lot of people yeah. get kind of roped in that way but that has been a, a huge peace of mind thing for both myself and my you know my parents other loved ones the the gps like sharing your gps coordinates ahead of time gets me thinking of a couple times so obviously i travel with a partner um but there have been especially in our first van a couple times where i would travel alone and i would you know tell people i have certain plans to do certain things but i would get places and like it just wouldn't feel right and i would leave how do you kind of handle that especially with knowing that like people know you're supposed to be somewhere like have you ever gotten somewhere and just, I don't know, had a feeling that it wasn't right? Like, how do you handle that? I try if I'm not going to be where the spreadsheet says I'm going to, where I'm going to be. Uh, I try to just text people um, with that yeah. update. So for example, when I was driving across Honduras a couple weeks ago, um, the section of, between Nicaragua and El Salvador is only like two and a half hours um, of driving between each border. So um I had originally planned on stopping in one location and then was feeling pretty good and decided to drive another hour or two further. So I just tried to make sure I actually got to these hot springs and had to connect to their Wi-Fi in order to send my folks um, a WhatsApp and let them know where I was. Um, so I do just try uh, to make sure that if things are overriding the spreadsheet, that gets communicated. It doesn't always happen, which I think is you know kind of the fatal flaw of the spreadsheet is yeah. there are certainly times where I don't update people appropriately. I'm definitely much more lax when I'm with yeah. other people, which I guess mm-hmm. you know ties into the solo van life thing. Um, if in theory, my folks know who I'm with. Uh, I I hope that they worry less and also hope that things are a little bit less risky that way. I kind of, you said one thing in passing and that was when people come to join you, they, they have to take some responsibility. I would love to hear kind of the sides of solo van life besides safety. Obviously that's incredibly important, but I'm sure there's a lot of other things that are tough. Um, logistics and chores, like what is for you some of the hardest things about only having yourself out there sometimes? Yeah, I think um, I think that's going to be a really good place to go. But I actually do want to circle back to a couple things that maybe aren't build specific, <laughs> okay. um, but I do keep track of. And again, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure if these are things that are all that different from what I would do if I weren't solo, um, because I've only ever been solo. So I can only really say what I do as a solo person in a van. But for example, I do have pepper spray on my keychain and I keep that on um, a key hook right next to my bed. 
ideally don't ever end up in a situation where I have to use that because I've thought about it and I really don't want to be firing off pepper spray inside my van for myriad reasons. Um, yep. But you know, it's there. Uh, for a while I used to keep it um, kind of attached to my gear shifter. Um, and then at some point I realized, you know, that really doesn't do me any good up there if anything were to happen. So now it sleeps, uh, it, now it sleeps on the keychain next to my bed or the, the hook next to my bed. And then I'm also pretty careful if I'm particularly if I'm urban camping. So if I'm like uh, camp next to a city park in Oaxaca or something, I try to make sure that I'm coming and going from the van pretty discreetly um, and or with the dogs. And ideally, if a lot of times what I'll do is I will get somewhere uh, you know, around like eight or 9 PM and try not to leave the van again that night so that there's not really any chance of anyone noticing how many people are, are, or are not inside the van, which again, I don't think is that dissimilar from just stealth camping in general, but I may be a little bit more uh, cognizant of the idea of like, if someone does see me, I want them to at least see me with a dog. And ideally I don't want people to really have it be obvious for them that I'm not with anyone. And then I also am pretty uh, religious about my my window covers and making sure that it's just not easy to see into the van. Again, particularly if I'm in an urban spot. When I'm wild camping, I'm a lot more lax about these sorts of things. And I often have, you know, all the windows and doors open. And yeah. like, the dogs are tethered outside and, you know, they're going to bark if anyone comes up anyway. Um, but uh, definitely a lot more lax when I'm wild camping than when I'm urban stealth camping. Oh, actually, no, I do have one last funny thing. So this is kind of a joke and not really, um, and it will make sense to anyone who knows me well, but I also have a machete in the van <laughs> that um, hangs up next to my bed. Um, and this machete was um, a school item that I was required to have when I studied abroad in Panama in high school. Um, <laughs> and uh, it has been legitimately useful for a variety of things. I actually don't have a saw or an ax, so it's my main, uh, my main option for cutting firewood. <laughs> But um, it also is just kind of funny that I'm like, you know, if anyone gets really worried about me in the van, I'm just like, don't worry about it. I've got a machete um, and I don't really plan on using it. It is not a practical weapon to use inside of a, a van, but uh, I do have a machete in the van as well. I do have to add that I will never forget this moment that during work, I was, it was one of the periods where I was traveling alone while Eric was building this one. And I was telling my coworker that I was a little bit afraid um, I was like, there were some sketchy people here last night and <laughs> he took it upon himself to go basically tell me that I should go get a knife and keep it by my bed. And then he got up on the Zoom call, like on my company's Zoom and demonstrated how to use the knife properly um, to kill somebody. So, <laughs> oh my goodness. So according to him, a knife is the ultimate weapon and ever since then even when eric is in the van like i also sleep with one like nearby so i think some sort of sharp object it's not a bad idea to have <laughs> no it's not a bad idea i think just particularly a machete is just not very wieldy yeah, inside of a van um yeah yeah it's because it's not really a stabbing yeah. weapon um so it would be very difficult to use inside the van but good great intimidation factor i think Yes. It's got like a big blast zone. Like you're going to get some other things if you're swinging that around. <laughs> I, just, I just imagine like mostly taking down m like my own furniture as I'm trying to like chop down someone. Um. <laughs> I can see it. Yeah. Uh, it's not practical. There were, <laughs> there were two more things I wanted yeah. to add because 
we do come upon a lot of um, solo van lifers this winter, actually. And two things that I've thought were really interesting that people have had are a Simply Safe system. They're kind of like discrete little cameras that are censored by movement. So, like, we'll be, you know, at a restaurant with um, this guy who has one and he'll get a notification like movement was, you know, sensed outside of your van. And I can imagine that, like, if you're in the van and you get that notification, it would be much better to like look at the camera than to like peek your head out the window. So that's a great thing. And then additional locks, whether it be like an exterior lock that you, you know, go outside and I guess you mentioned not showing yourself outside, but maybe there's interior ones or just additional ways to keep your doors closed. Yeah. I have not yet done. I've thought about getting fake security cameras for the outside of the van. Um, but because of kind of my cell situation, Wi-Fi, whatever situation, a lot of times in Central America, I haven't yet sprung for something higher tech than that. I have been actually planning while I'm here in Central America, it's pretty easy to get extra alarms installed on your vehicle that are quite touchy. And I've, I've been thinking about getting one of those done. It's just been one of those things that like every time I have a weekend where I'm thinking about going and getting installed, something more pressing breaks on the van instead. And that's what I spend the time on. <laughs> <laughs> It'll happen. It'll happen one week. Yeah. We're also looking into that or even just stickers, you know, that are like monitored by probably shouldn't tell people that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but <laughs> keep them guessing. Okay. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was a great kind of intro. Um, and there's a lot of resources that people share on, you know, solo female van life specifically. Um, but I kind of wanted now to transition to something you kind of touched on, which was like when people come to stay with you, they get some responsibilities, which kind of got me thinking that, yeah, being by yourself is a lot in a van, not only like isolation, but chores and you have to do all the logistics and drive and know where you're driving to. So I would love if you would touch on, well, actually not just touch, explain <laughs> some of the other non-safety things that are tough for you and how you overcome them as a solo van lifer. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, there's so, there's so many things that are a little bit challenging about being alone in a van like that. I know the one that is kind of an umbrella difficulty for me is kind of this concept of, I don't have anyone to bounce ideas around with or troubleshoot with. Mm. Um, so that tends to be the most challenging thing for me. I'm definitely someone who mm. thinks by talking as well. So it kind of is challenging for my particular personality type. But yeah, you know, I, I, I just find myself often having a little bit of analysis paralysis or at times um, I also struggle a little bit with sometimes I can see the problem and I can envision the solution, but I struggle to figure out what my steps are to get there. Um, and it's hard to not have anyone to bounce ideas around with, or, you know, as you guys know, I currently, um, do not have a functioning water system because of an electrical issue. And it's just, you know, Tony and, uh, my boyfriend, Daniel have been kind of trying to help out around the, with the electrical issue, but honestly, I'm the one who knows the most, which is challenging because I don't know that much. Um, and it might, I can imagine it being really nice if I had someone else, particularly someone else who had helped build the van, who may be able to kind of mm. help troubleshoot a little bit more and understand the systems a little bit better. And maybe, you know, two heads are better than one. And then, you know, there are little things like, you know, sometimes it's really nice when I have someone with me and I can fill my seven gallon water cube 
walk all the way over from the hose and then hand it up Mm. to them and then they can put it away in the water storage area. You know, like there's just little things like that, that particularly when you're tired or when you're not feeling well, it can be really challenging. So like I got food poisoning my first week in Mexico and luckily I was at this point caravanning with my friend Kim. So, you know, she went to the pharmacy and picked up some pills for me. She went and picked up, you know, Mm -hmm. like Pringles and ginger ale aid for me. Um, But there are things like that that are just hard and that's hard solo, but it's worse when, you know, I can't just order DoorDash and stay inside my Mm -hmm. apartment and eat ice cream. Like I am in a van. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I have to take care of some of these things and there's just a lot more kind of day-to-day chores Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that, that goes for the dogs as well. So again, when I'm sick, it's hard. Um, cause yeah. I don't have anyone else to mm-hmm. t- help take care of things and it's a time suck as well. So, um, like yeah. I've noticed my friend, Tony has been traveling with me for now about three weeks. Um, and then before her, Daniel, my boyfriend was traveling with me for a while and it's just really nice to sometimes be like, as I'm, you know, frying eggs or whatever, be like, Hey, can you go around back and feed the dogs? If we're mm-hmm. trying to like get up and get out and drive six hours that day. But nothing has been that challenging. It's just kind of, you know, logistical annoyances. And then any bigger projects where it really is kind of important to have two people, um, I've pretty much always been scheduling those or planning those things around when I'm going to be around other people. So, you know, if I'm like Mm -hmm. taking apart my tongue and groove and you kind of need two people so one person can hold it up and the other person can can drill it in or whatever, like I'm so far I've always been able to do those sorts of things when I have spare hands around anyway. How do you fill that desire for like someone to bounce ideas off sometimes or, or even just like want to hear another voice? Like what do you typically do? Um, uh, I text you and Eric. <laughs> I need help with van things. Not everyone can do that. Um, so That's, that's- it's <laughs> the honest truth uh no or i like mm-hmm. my dad or my friend betsy you know and like obviously our listeners are not going to be mm-hmm. necessarily texting you or hope almost certainly not going to be texting my father um uh, <laughs> but uh you know I, I think like having people in in your corner that you can reach out to for various things so like i know i have a couple good friends as well that like if i text them that i'm having a bad day or i'm in a bad place or i'm lonely or mm-hmm. whatever like they will call me And I kind of know who those people are. And I think one of the things that is hardest for me about solo van life is I am often in these places where I'm having these amazing experiences or maybe really tough experiences while, you know, my friends are moving on with their communities at home. They're moving on with their partners, Mm -hmm. their friends, their coworkers, like they have these whole separate lives. And uh, this is going to sound really harsh, but it is true in a way. They don't miss me as much as I miss them. Because they have their community and I don't. Um, So that is definitely something that can be challenging, but kind of knowing who those people are, who you can count on for certain things. And then also maybe knowing which friends are not the best for that sort of thing can also be really helpful because it can be really damaging to your friendship to reach out to someone with um, something that they're not skilled at solving Mm -hmm. or supporting you through. Yeah, it does. Um, and we've got to do a podcast on community because this gives me all the feels. I even like as someone who doesn't travel alone, like I, I still need my girls, right? Like, and as much as, you know, Eric and I have such a good time together, it's, it's, yeah, it's watching your, your community that you were in before go on like kind of without you. 
Yeah. yeah and, you know, it's, it's we choose to do this. We're not forced to. We're choosing to go have these experiences and be off, you know, meeting different people every day. But it's definitely something that needs talked about more. I think sorry I, I i was gonna say the one other thing that i've definitely noticed um and i primarily noticed actually because it's shifted so much since tony got here is i fill that void a lot with social media <laughs> um my instagram and everything posting has really dropped off the map um since getting a co-pilot and i think uh mm-hmm. that's partially because i'm busier but that busier is also just a lot more fulfilling. Like I'm just not feeling the need to be on social media quite as much. Um, and I think when I'm single and alone, um, that is, I'm really using social media as a way to kind of fill that social void. And I don't think, I don't say that as like an indictment in any way. Like, I think it was actually fulfilling a, a really helpful purpose for me, but um, I haven't needed it as much since having a yeah, co-pilot but I for can the last imagine. couple weeks. Like, it's nice to fill that void, but it's also really hard to have that be, like, people's highlight reels that are filling your void, right? Like, it looks like everyone else is having a perfect time, and then it kind of just, I feel like that would make me spiral, which it does sometimes. But I was curious if, do you ever, because this is something I've thought about a lot, too, as someone who travels in a duo, like, do you feel like you're you go out more, or, like, go, I know you dance salsa, or, like, go to trivia night, or do things more um, just because you're seeking that connection? Yes and no. I I think like, yes, in that like I tend to find myself getting adopted in a lot of places in a way that I don't recall when I was um, traveling with my, my former partner. Like I had this really lovely experience when I was in Jasper this summer where I was out on a hike and it was one of those things where it was kind of funny. At first I was really annoyed. I, there was only one other car in the parking lot and we started at the same time and we were the exact same pace. Like I couldn't like get far enough ahead of them that I was leaving them behind and they couldn't get far enough ahead of me that they would leave me behind. And after like maybe a kilometer of this, we just ended up falling in together. And long story short, I ended up like staying at their house (laughs) with them for like three days. And they were like Jasper natives and like took me all around. And it was amazing. And like, I don't, I don't remember that sort of thing happening nearly as much when I was with someone else, but as kind of, and I think in some ways, honestly, as a solo mm-hmm. female as well, like a lot of people are just really mm-hmm. welcoming and caring and kind with me. And even uh, more recently when I was in Nicaragua, um, I was just kind of able to finagle myself into like five nights of free parking at a hostel just because I was kind of like there and alone and chatting with people. And eventually it turned out I was chatting with the owner and he was, and I was just like, Oh, do you mind if I just (laughs) keep parking here? And he was like, yeah, that's fine. And like, I don't know if he would have allowed that or not, if I had been alone, but I certainly wouldn't have been talking to him as much had I not been alone. You know, there's a lot of that sort of stuff, but then on the flip side, like I, I find myself going out to dance less, um, probably, uh, because like I danced a ton when I was in Denver because I had my community and I knew my people and I knew which clubs to go to on which nights where I was going to find dancers and not people (laughs) who were just like sloppy drunk, trying to take each other home. Uh, <laughs> uh, nothing wrong with that. Just not, not what I was looking for. And then here in Central America, and particularly as I'm traveling so much and particularly as a solo female, I do find myself actually going out less mm-hmm. because it's really hard for me to know which clubs, which nights, which DJs are going to be the right vibe for me and where mm-hmm. it's going to be safe for me to 
go out, dance, mm-hmm. and go home alone as like a fully single yeah. person where I don't know yeah. anyone. I could totally understand that. I want to latch on to some positive vibes that you gave because I think we're talking about all the tough things about solo van life. And you mentioned that people, you know, adopt you and people are more likely to lend you a helping hand. So what are some other things that you really love and that are great about solo van life? Honestly, I love it. <laughs> like I I really and I really thought I was gonna hate it. I was so sure that I was gonna hate it and I was gonna be so lonely and I was gonna be so sad and that I was just gonna be like clinging to these like beautiful experiences through this like film of loneliness. And that is not at all what it's been. I I think I really needed this. I, um, as someone who kind of throughout my entire, like, honestly, starting was like 14 up until I was like 25. I always had a boyfriend. I always had this group of friends. I was always with people. I've always like, you know, I've thought by talking, like I've solo van life, particularly in the Arctic was so useful for me to like, really have like days at a time where I wasn't talking to people. And like, it was hard at times, but it's just been so beautiful. And I love just being able to like drive and like a ridgeline catches my eye and I don't have to ask anyone. I just pull over and I stop and I take off my shoes mm-hmm. and I go for a walk or like maybe I put running shoes on and I go for a run up that ridgeline. And like, obviously with the right partner, it's not that I couldn't do that with someone else, but there's something really freeing about just like it's like the, the, it's like the essence of van life. It's like, not only am I like, I always have my house with me. I always have everything I need. I can stop and go whenever I want, but like literally whenever I want, I don't have anyone else who's like, you know, actually I want to like get to this place tonight or like actually that other ridgeline looks better or anything like that. Like it's always just hundred percent what I want, which is cool. And sometimes can be a double-edged sword, but like mostly I really, really like and yeah, I love getting to meet people. I love being adopted. Um, I love adopting other travelers. Um, I've done some of that. I've here in Central America, I've done a little bit of like, uh, like if I'm talking to someone at a hostel and they mention that they're going somewhere, um, and it's a two hour chicken bus ride away and it's on my way. Like I've given a couple rides, not many, um, but a couple to people. Um, yeah, I, but mostly what I've really loved have actually been the solo experiences that, again, I don't think I ever would have chosen for myself had I not been kind of forced into them. Uh, you know, again, I'm particularly thinking about these times in the Arctic where I just kind of picked a random ridgeline that, as far as I can tell, is unnamed. I just pulled over at a random turnout and just went for a hike uh, and just had these really, really lovely experiences alone with myself. Um yeah. Yeah. It's it, it, like, <laughs> I don't, I don't really have better, better ways to describe it, but it's just really nice. I wish in people a lot could see the video that I see. Cause you're just like, the moment you started talking about the positive side, you just like glow so hard. <laughs> you can tell you love it. That makes me so happy. Um, especially because I kind of forgot yeah, that you've yeah. done both. Like you've done the partner and you've done the solo. Like that's a really cool place you're sitting in. Yeah. And well, and it's interesting, like when I drove, I drove as far as Panama, um, with my ex-partner back in 2018, 2019, and Mm. I felt really lonely. Um, and I had a really hard time and yeah, it's really interesting to me that I have not struggled with loneliness nearly as much actually not having a partner with me. Um, and I think Part of it is being older and having my anxiety better better managed. Um, but also huge parts of it are just having having these other tools. And there's something I think also about 
being fully alone and fully self-reliant that like teaches you how to feel comfortable with it um, versus kind of being in a, uh, in a partnership where you feel lonely mm-hmm. can be really, really hard in a different way. Um, and yeah, certainly like meeting other people has been really nice. And then there's also just like a lot of, you know, again, uh, there's a lot of like bullshit, boring, dumb conversations I have with people at bars when I literally yeah. just want to like go sit down and have a nice cocktail and like read my yeah. book and people like want to talk to me um, about like the cocaine they tried last weekend or something. And I'm just like, so not interested. Um, but that's just kind of like being a yeah. single woman, unfortunately, in the the universe that we find ourselves in. So, eh, you know, yeah, you yeah. win some, you lose some. That's maybe why I like the Arctic Ridge line. So. Yeah, that sounds a lot better than a stranger's coke stories for sure. This is a specific, uh, a specific bar in Oaxaca oh where I had this experience. What? Where is that, Oaxaca? Oaxaca. It's a. It's in Mexico. It's where Mezcal oh. is. Um, okay. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah. 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 Kind of southern Mexico. Um, so, I'm thinking back to your kind of transition. Like it's lovely for you now. Um, is there one piece of advice you would give to someone who's thinking about? starting um van life but they're solo and they're they have some worries about it like what is one or or even two pieces of advice you would give them i think try to journal out what it is that specifically scares you and figure out specifically what you're scared of is it loneliness is it being murdered Um, you know is it boredom uh boredom has definitely been one of my biggest struggles, you know, that like 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Yeah. Uh, time frame is really hard. Um, and whatever that is, you know, figure out what specifically scares you, why it scares you, and then what you can do about it. And then maybe even doing a little bit of the exercise of like, okay, so let's say that this does come to pass. Maybe don't do that with the murder, but, you know, with the loneliness and the boredom things. Um, but let's say that this this does happen and that I'm right and this is going to be really hard. Okay, then what? You know, and for me, that was a huge thing where it was just like, you know, mm-hmm. I can just go home. I can just turn around. I can, ju- I, I, I can just yeah. drive back to wherever I want mm-hmm. to, wherever I'm missing, whoever I'm missing. This is not permanent. And if I hate it, if I'm lonely, if I'm sad, if I'm scared, I don't have to do this forever. And that was really, really freeing and kind of always having that out really I think really that's helped. perfect advice um, for a lot of things, but but specifically this. Um, I might even do that for myself for a couple things I'm afraid of. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is. I think exercise. often like we're afraid of figuring out what we're afraid of too, like you almost don't want to get too deep with yourself mm-hmm. to uncover those things. But in order to unlock like what you're meant to do and the things you're meant to see, you kind of have to. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think I like, as that, I think each individual component of that is important. So like what specifically yep. are you scared of? I think that's really important. And then, okay, great. What can we do about it? So again, like say I am worried about being murdered or honestly, one of the things that I really struggled with was like, what are my parents going to say? And how am I going to convince Mm. my parents that I'm not going to get murdered? Because I don't like having those conversations and I don't like having those arguments. So I um, spend a lot of time figuring out how to justify to my parents or to other loved ones who are sure that I'm going to get murdered because of my lifestyle. Okay, here are the things that I'm doing. Here's how I pick my spots on iOverlander. Here's how I navigate 
where mm-hmm. I'm parking and when I'm parking and who I talk to and who knows where I'm going to be and my locks and blah, 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 blah. And really, uh, <laughs> anyway, so I think <laughs> once you figure out what you're scared of, figure yeah. out what you can yeah. do to mitigate those things and come up with a good plan. And then again, like, okay, so let's say that all of those stops fail and something bad does happen. What do we do then? And again, uh, murdering is kind of an extreme example for that. Yep, <laughs> I listen to too much true, true, true crime, but for, everything else, you know, what, so what does happen if, if, if that happens and how, how do we navigate it? I think that's really, really helpful. Um, and also knowing that like, yeah, you probably are going to at some point as a solo van lifer. And honestly, I'm, I'm sure you can, uh, well, you can chime in on this as a van lifer in general, you're going to find times where you're parked somewhere. You're really, like, this yeah. place has bad, bad vibes. I don't actually like this spot this much. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I think we're going to leave right away in the morning or maybe we're going to leave right now mm-hmm. if that's something that's possible. And I think also like kind of acknowledging that that's likely to happen at some point and getting yourself used to the idea of how you're going to navigate that and maybe what your deal breakers may be and Mm -hmm. feeling comfortable trusting your gut as needed, feeling comfortable with your risk assessments. Um, You know, it's just kind of the best we can do. And honestly, that's the best we can do as like people in the real world. Like I, I was saying right before we started recording that honestly, I'm not entirely convinced that solo female van life has to be or is that much more dangerous than solo female studio apartment life or solo female staying in hotels life or anything like that. Um, I'm I'm not entirely sure that it's actually statistically Mm -hmm. that much more dangerous. I think this was amazing. Um, I think it's awesome. Like I said before to hear from someone who's done both. So thank you for, for getting real with us today. Is there any final thoughts you want to add before we close out? No, but as much as I love solo van life, I'm really excited that now I have co-pilots again. Yes, yes. <laughs> co-pilots are great. Um, I mean, just like having one person who can yeah. drive while the other is like scouring I overlander, not a bad situation. Yep. <laughs> Clutch. Clutch. Yeah. Yeah. Or honestly, just like my contact lenses are dry and I don't want to drive anymore (laughs) or, you know, whatever. That's a, it's a big thing when I have AC on, it's very hard for me. (laughs) Wow. Never thought about that. Well, I'm glad you have a co-pilot now. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's great. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's lovely. Um, and again, I think like really mm-hmm. thinking about those upsides as well, you know, it's been uh, like, this is a little bit of a side and we don't necessarily have to keep it in, but like, it's been funny since my friend Tony has joined, she's not into surfing. Um, and yeah. obviously I am <laughs> rapidly <laughs> becoming obsessed with the sport. And it's been really interesting to kind of now for the first time in my van life career, really have to navigate this like, Ooh, how, yeah. how do we route plan now? Yeah. And like, how how do we navigate this well as um, mm-hmm. friends as well, um, which I think adds a slightly different level yeah. than uh, romantic partners. And so far it's been really good. It's been really smooth. She's like, she's so happy to just, you know, oscillate between working on her graduate thesis and sitting on the beach and sitting in the shade. And, you know, she doesn't really mind so far. Um, but, you know, it, it, like it, it's different. Um, and I think you know, as we talked about, some of the upsides of solo van life Mm -hmm. are really worth considering as well. 
Awesome. Well, thank you, Kayla. And thank you everyone else for listening. If you'd like to keep in touch with Kayla as she travels the Pan Am Highway with her two dogs and a ditch cat, (laughs) um, you can find her on Instagram at Collies Without Borders. Um, And you can find Eric and I at Engineers Who Van Life. Additionally, we officially have a Van Life Lab website um, where you can get anything we've mentioned that includes links or or um, additional resources along with the episodes at vanlifelab.engineerswhovanlife.com. That's all. See you next week. Thanks for listening.